Okay, so this very uh, simple practice, incredibly simple, doing nothing <laughs> and just uh, becoming aware of what's the, what's the quality of what's there, the quality in the body, what's alive in the body, what's, uh, what's the quality of the mind. I was uh, teaching um, our last week in the, uh, British Columbia, and there was a non-residential retreat uh, in Vancouver at UBC, and there was a hun- 180 people who came to s- practice for the Friday night, Saturday, Sunday. It was everybody's going home at night, coming back the next day, and I was um, uh, invited a, <coughs> a local friend teacher uh, there to uh, come and help out. Uh, Rachel Lewis is her name. It's really fun. She has really good dharma. And at some point she was uh, talking to everybody and she was saying uh, about meditation and the whole practice we do. She's like, this is plan B. You know, this is plan B. Uh, we're going for plan B here. Plan A was for everything to go the way we wanted. <laughs> it didn't happen. It's not happening. You know? <laughs> People are not saying what we want them to say. The institutions are not behaving as we would like. Society... Uh, all of this, you know, in the family. So, you know, we had the plan, hey, it's supposed to go like this, everybody does that, I feel like this, it feels great. <laughs> it, it's not working out. <laughs> so then we come to meditation, you know, and we go for plan B. So what is plan B? <laughs> so plan B is to, uh, is to meet what is there as it is, you know. And here, that's what I've, I really enjoy about this practice is we start with what's here, here. Yeah, you know, we come here to this location and we discover the local conditions, you know. What's here now, here, 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 you know. And can that be met with, uh, you know, these different qualities that we might learn to, you know, value, cultivate, uh, invite, such as maybe some lightness of heart, you know. It's not easily gained, lightness of heart. You would think light, light should be readily available, you know. Usually it goes, has to go through a few years of <laughs> to find the lightness. <laughs> we have to sit in, in pain for a little while, you know. Trying all the other, you know, attitudes of mind, you know. I'll try opinion. It should not have happened like this. I'll try preferences, you know. It better happen like this. I'll try desiring it to be otherwise. I'll try rejecting what's there. I'll try uh, numbing out. I'll try, uh, I'll try cynicism. No, not that satisfying. <laughs> I'll try, so we try a, a whole range of possibilities. It's almost infinite. And here we try, what, maybe another thing we're trying and discovering here is tenderness, tenderness for the experience, the imperfect experience of being a human being, you know, maybe a little humor, a little playfulness becomes, uh, we touch it one moment here or there, and this, it touches us, oh, that's one way, or tenderness, tenderness, or calm. These are the, some of the qualities we're developing here. Oh, it's not feeling as I would like to feel in the body. You know, I had this image of meditation. You know, you know I'm sitting there. <laughs> and you're like, oh, you know, what about uh, calmly making space for the crookedness, or the discomfort? You know? What about relaxing into... What about intimacy? I thought I would be only un- I- intimate with what is really pleasant and you know lovely, and here I'm invited to actually be intimate with discomfort. It's surprising, revolutionary. That's how I see it, and very liberating. It can be, you know, however it is, unresolved. This or that, you know, and I can maybe. You sit, rest in unresolvedness. I like English for this. <laughs> you can make a word out of anything. 
so I can sit with unresolvedness, discomfortness. <laughs> and I'm finding that maybe it's possible. You know, I didn't know before. I thought I had to get away from this. I had to solve. I had to, you know, and now I'm finding I can actually be with half-baked. You know, <laughs> I don't know, you know. I can be with edgy. I can make space for, you know, this is, I'm talking about sensations in the body, but also, also, uh, also uh, conditions of the psyche and heart. And so we sit like this and we see, can it be okay that I haven't figured everything out? Even uh, with practice, I think we come closer and more get to be more intimate with things that we would never think we could actually allow to be known fully, that we would fear or uh, hate, you know, powerlessness. That's how far we'll go in our travel, you know. Meet, I'm I'm, uh, powerless in front of this. And in my practice, it taught me to actually relax in powerlessness because it happens to human beings. Uncontrollability, uncertainty. Ah, Amazing that the heart-mind has that capacity to relax and that allow even for that to be there. Not easy, it might take few minutes of practice. <laughs> How can uh, these things make the heart vibrant, you know, instead of make it fall apart or close down? So this... Uh, friend, uh, uh, Rachel Lewis, she was funny because at some point, I think she might have said she got it from another teacher, but I thought it was really funny. She's giving the instruction for the meditation. She's, uh, so now feeling the body sitting, breathing, now you see some calm comes in, allowing the sounds to come in and out, and there's uh, some calm coming in the heart. Now that would be the time you would start fretting about stuff. (laughs) You know, giving the opposite (laughs) instruction. (laughs) Now you would get hooked on some theme and really like think a lot about it now. That would be the time where you would start (laughs) doing this. (laughs) I thought she had such a sense of humor. (laughs) You know when we say, if uh, something comes to mind and you start obsessing or you start being compulsive about a theme, just see if you can let it go. It's like, now maybe it's the time you... <laughs> but it highlights, you know, the lack of wisdom <laughs> that we have. <laughs> made, me, uh, made me laugh. Sometimes when I come back from traveling, I report a little bit on things heard and, and seen. I think that's a good... W- might be a good way to... Know. So the, there was this weekend retreat, and then we, have, um, we had almost a week, six days, I think, on the beautiful organic farm on Salt Spring Island. Maybe some of you know this island in uh, BC, close to Vancouver. Beautiful farm, like uh, all like, kind of hilly like this. And, uh, you know, you do your walking in the rows of... Uh, well, now it was uh, kale and lettuce. And, uh, and, you know, sometimes the little sheeps come by, ba- baby sheeps. They have a name in English? Yeah. Oh. Oh yeah, that's a lamb as a baby sheep. (laughs) (laughs) My uh, (laughs) lack of knowledge is going to be broadcasted (laughs) all over the internet. (laughs) So the little lamb would come, you know, and the and the llamas in the back, and the chickens. It's very uh, beautiful uh, place to practice meditation to be on retreat because there's a. It seems like there's a very wholesome relationship between. uh, humans and earth huh? it's growing and at the meal they say oh we just plucked this uh, is it something called nettles nettle? anyway we just either made tea or put them in a salad 
you know, we just plugged them this morning you know, for lunch. You know. It was very beautiful. It was a LGBTQI plus retreat. So queer, trans folks, uh, gender, uh, non, non, gender non-conforming, non-binary people, gender hackers, <laughs> gender benders, <laughs> the, good, the good crowd. <laughs> And uh, it was really beautiful. We were all practicing uh, together, uh, you know. And uh, and uh, what I enjoyed about it is uh, kind of almost a sense of developing a kind of a queer dharma. You know, the dharma how it travels to cult- cultures, and so there is a Tibetan dharma. You know, that Tibetan Buddhism that was born out of the culture of, of Tibet, and then Zen Buddhism that came out of maybe Japan or Korea. And then there's a Western Buddhism. We're practicing this here, you know. And emerging might be uh, might be a queer dharma. Beautiful uh, dharma. Dharma where the example, the, the essence of the Buddhism is there, but it's seen through the experience of, uh, maybe uh, through an experience of, uh, um, you know, the, the trans experience. Or... Uh, through the experience of a non-binary uh, uh, being, you know, gen- non- non- queer, queer. I get I'm tired so <laughs> um, gender queer, gender queer. I mix up the word, and um, and I was sitting there, with, and uh, you know, we were talking about the practice and. And I was like, oh, I think there could be something that would emerge it, that, you know, uh, maybe people who are not uh, under that huge umbrella of LGBTQ, maybe they would want to benefit from the queer wisdom, the queer Dharma wisdom. I see that coming one day. It's a beautiful thing, huh? Mm-hmm. Um, I was teaching with uh, Anushka Fernando Pule. Maybe you've heard her. She has really beautiful teaching online. And she's my main colleague. I teach with often. And mm-hmm. because uh, it was the the LGBTQ retreat, she was uh, she uh, she used uh, many examples. I did too, but uh, one of them was uh, very. Uh, I thought was very kind of fun and uh, and uh, you know an image that the Buddha. If he had lived today, I think would have uh, really enjoyed and maybe come up with himself. But uh, Anushka was uh, describing being um, in Amsterdam for Gay Pride, uh, maybe last year or something like this. And she uh, she was saying that uh, it was really interesting how um, you know the canals in uh, Amsterdam, uh, and so they have floats, you know, like they have in any uh, Pride, but they're really floating. Uh, and uh, and they have these um, the and and the challenge there is there is bridges like very low bridges in Amsterdam, and so the floats the way they they the form they created to make the floats really like grandiose, fabulous, very you know proud pride uh, uh, is uh, through inflating the, the the kind of different things they're showing you know. And so, like, big characters come up, you know, inflated, and she said the arms are going like this, and hair, and they have, like, guns of uh, confettis, you know. And then suddenly they hit the bridge, and the whole, the whole thing collapses, <laughs> and everybody ducks down, you know. <laughs> and then they go under the bridge, and, whoa, the floats reappears, you know. And one float will be a big, I don't know, character, and another one will be a kind of a building, you know, inflated. And she was comparing uh, this to our mind states, you know, to the, as we sit uh, during a, a sit here for 20 minutes or so, or if we sit regularly, you know, at home, you know, we'll see different kind of floats, <laughs> you know, expressions uh, come out, different colors and different uh, formations, really. Um, and... Uh, you know, the Buddha has this image, I use it often, you might have heard me, uh, the image of the banana uh, tree. Do you know this, this image of the banana tree? Where, uh, you know, the, 
I think the Buddha says something like, oh, there's a person who wants to build something strong. They go in the woods to find really good uh, wood, hardwood, and they see a banana tree, and they're like, oh, my God, you know. I don't know if they say, oh, my God, but <laughs> adaptation here. So they're, oh, wow, big leaves, big f- uh, flower, big fruit. We're going to have really good wood in there, good hardwood, and start uh, axing the, the banana tree to find that it's empty at the core. Right? So it's only fibers. There's, there's no hard wood there. There's nothing solid for that. And in this way, the Buddha used the image and say, you know, when we sit here and we come with the axe of mindfulness, of attention, what we'll discover is that what seems so solid and real and important and is actually has the nature of uh, being uh, empty at the core. You know, it's a formations, productions of the mind. You know. It's never going to work out for me. You know, if we pay attention to this, it seems like it's de- describing a solid reality. And if we pay attention, maybe we'll discover ah, that met with tenderness, with attention, it kind of dissolves and something else appears. You know. and so he uses the uh, image of the banana tree trunk and Anushka uses the modern queer image of the of the floats, you know, where suddenly there's this big thing that appears, you know. And as we sit here, that's what happens. You know? We're sitting here, and, oh, I have to become a monastic, you know. I should have, you know. Next life, I will, you know. It appears like this. And there's a big construction, you know. That might not be the exact thought you had <laughs> as you were sitting here. It might have been something else, you know, about dinner. <laughs> A small little float. Dinner. <laughs> and here, so that's the lightness of heart I was talking about. So here we learn to sit and have both tenderness and lightness of heart, seeing the different productions of the mind, you know, how it comes up, you know. <sighs> takes the form of fear, of worry, of resentment, takes the form of uh, expectation, hope, you know. And we learn to just sit in the middle of these different formations. And the formations sometimes are um, conditionings, like old messages we got, either directly or very kind of subtly, you know, little messages we got and got again and got again and finally really got it, interiorized the message, you know, and then it appears as we sit. Uh, so there was um, one, I was talking to one uh, friend, a man, trans man, and uh, he was saying, uh, I think, I, if I remember well, it was about um, kind of apologizing a lot, you know, and he was like, I've been socialized as a girl, you know, I'm a man, but I've definitely been socialized for many years as a girl, so I see that conditioning, it just keeps reappearing, you know, I need to apologize, apologize, something like this. And so as we sit here, these formations also appear, and what uh, we have the chance to do is instead of just believing every one of these patterns, thoughts, uh, messages, you know, instead of believing every one of them and acting on them and being in that, being born in that kind of reality, you know, make it being very solid, we actually learn to see through and maybe not entertain. There's a space that opens, space of choice, you know, in the recognition, in the mindfulness, saying, oh, here's that view or conditioning. I actually don't have to believe this. This is an old, mistaken message that was uh, brought by society. You know, with the sense that I'm unworthy, in a way. You know, ah, that might be an old Judeo-Christian message you know, that was not the most beautiful that Jesus brought, (laughs) you know, maybe not what uh, he said or meant. 
And so uh, that's why we sit here, to see these different formations and, uh, you know, meet them with uh, really good allies. Mindfulness, aware of, rather than duped by, fooled by. So aware of, uh, tender towards, and maybe certain lightness about, oh, look at that, comes back that kind of obsession, that kind of story, telling the story in this way. You know? And so in this way we can, uh, we become awake to the patterning, the conditioning. So that's awake, awake, the awakening of the Buddha. And maybe eventually getting some freedom. You know, maybe it arises, but we don't have to follow, uh, buy into but just see that formation as an ephemeral float. Oh, look at that. The creation of the mind. I think that's a lot of uh, the practice we do. And so we start, I think, inhabiting an inner world of uh, kindness rather than an inner world of a kind of addiction, fascination for every thought, belief, constant, spun, uh, system, systematic belief, systematically believing every formation, you know, to actually allow the formation to take place, enjoy it, appreciate its beauty, complexity, strangeness. <laughs> but not fall trap to it. Comments, questions, nuances, applications. So there's a lot of uh, clarifying that happens, and that could be maybe a description of uh, the process of meditation. We clarify, clarify how to hold stuff, how to be in relationship with what comes up. River of sensations, river of emotions, of moods. It's a flowing. Yeah. So sitting here, we clarified this, huh? that the, the, just this, the insight that the, the, you know, the human body, for example, is a, is a river of sensation. It's not clear for us at the beginning. We might think, it's me, I'm this body, you know. And while we sit in meditation, we discover this, oh, what I call hand. is a series, a field of tingling, you know. And uh, this whole body, oh, it's, what is body? What is body when eyes are closed and outside of my idea, concept of the body? Oh, it's a moment of expansion and then a moment of contraction. Oh. You know, when I thought I was stuck with my body the whole time, I'm discovering that there's a river. It's a living river. Yeah. 
And then, you know, the river, we notice also the river of emotions and mood. Oh, grumpy. Grumpy passing by. Whoops. <laughs> Suddenly, you know, amused. Amused, gone. <laughs> Not tight. <laughs> Opinionated, you know. And it moves like this. And the freedom is to allow that river also to, to pass. Several rivers in the teaching talks in this way about several rivers. So one river also that um, you might uh, be interested in, like um, if you look around, if you play with just looking around, with uh, uh, yeah, moving the eyes around and seeing, you see also there's another river that is alive. Is the river of making sense of things, of naming things, or perception. So as my eyes move around, I recognize door, uh, column, window, you know, like I cannot not see these things. I cannot not interpret, perceive the world. There's an organization of the world. In meditation we become also aware of this. That's even a step, I think, more subtle. And so as we do this, there's an organization of the world. And one of the ways we get really to suffer and get caught and confused is we take uh, every perception to be a reality, a description of reality. So I might, my eyes might travel like this and I see a face, one of your face. It reminds me of somebody who was a little nasty to me, maybe. And then I go, ah, this person is like this. I know that type of person, <laughs> you know? And so that's a mistaken view here. But I'm not, I'm not aware of this because my mindfulness hasn't gone that far, you know, to actually become really aware of the construction, you know. And depending on the mood I'm in, I'm in you know, one week I can sit here and say, ah, people, so annoying. You know, I'll look and people are so annoying. You know, it appears to me as the truth. And the ne- next week I'll come and I'll be more uh, in a different mood, uh, so beautiful. People come to practice wisdom and compassion. People are so beautiful. Huh? So in this way, we uh, inhabit worlds we don't even know, you know. But the waking up of the Buddha is partly this: waking up to even that how the world is constructed, how things are presented, um, and not exactly as they are, but as they're perceived, maybe in the moment or this week or you know how self is perceived is an interesting one you know how do you hold that concept of self that idea of self you know many people hold it as unworthy you know it's a construction of the mind an empty construction a banana tree trunk a float yet we can believe it uh, to be true and real and solid for a whole lifetime, you know, starting by hating ourselves and going through the whole few decades, <laughs> or thinking I'm above, you know, depending maybe of you know the different circumstances, gender, socio-economic means, or this and that. Could, somebody could easily think they're better. They do. They get elected as president. (laughs) And they see the world through this. I know. I'm better. I'm worth something. Others not. And so here we did this deep, deep work, years probably of practice, to clarify, you know, what is a vision? What is an impression? What is a sense of? What is a perception? And what is reality? And we do this by coming back to the, the kind of um, how, uh, what's the building blocks of reality. Yeah? So we come here and we sit and say, what's actually happening? You know, what is really happening? There is an experience of gravity. This is true. This is unnegotiable. That's kind of a basic fact of life. Like that's clarifying perception. There is gravity. There's no doubt about this. There is breath. 
this is true. You know, so we kind of, uh, we can have a whole story. We come here and we say, let's start from the really, really like basic blocks of reality. What's really happening? There is a body. It's breathing. Ah, there is attention. There is consciousness. There is something that knows. It's touch. Touches things. There is moods. These are true. Sometimes there is joy. Sometimes sadness. Sometimes shame. Sometimes acceleration. Sometimes uh, discouragement. And we notice that. In the moment. We let go of a a lot of our habitual ways to perceive. You know, we let go of the timeline. To me, that's amazing that we actually can do this. You know, I come here, this time of my day, this is my meditation class, after I'm going to go home and do this, or I'm working tonight, and I, you know, in my life, I'm at this age, and this is where I should be, and this is unfortunately where I am. <laughs> and I have a whole timeline, and I hope, you know, life is going to respect the timeline now, you know, and this should happen at that, you know, and this and this, and I hope, and we come here and we drop the timeline. Ah, freed from the oppression of the storyline. It's just a body sitting here, breathing. I don't have to be caught in the story. That's really liberating, because after I might go back in the story, but knowing that it's not absolutely true, it's not the only take, the only angle. It's not that solid. I put the acts of mindfulness in there. I know, ah, oh, the timeline is just a perception of reality. I can go back to it, it's useful in so many ways, but I don't have to live only there. I can actually drop that timeline and be here in this moment, just a breathing body experiencing a mood and learning how to hold that caringly, lightly. And then, that would be the time to cling to the timeline again. <laughs> Go back to the story. Hang on to it. Believe it firmly. But it's true. It's about me and this is what happened. And this is what will, will happen. You know? So we learn to have some flexibility of mind, pliability is the word, the old word that is uh, used, or the way it's translated in English. Pliability of mind, we're not stuck in one version of reality. That's very liberating, you know, to, di to discover that this is uh, earth, sitting on earth. You know, yeah, it's about me, but it's also just a lump of earth sensitive little hump, lump of earth. <laughs> ah, liberated from moi and having to take care of moi. You know, just air passing through a play of elements. You know, is another way the Buddha was teaching us to release the single view of reality. Hey, what's going on? A bunch of elements. Air, fire, water, Earth, you know, become attentive, you'll feel it. Fluidity, cohesion, you know, weight, density, warmth, cold. Ah, give back the elements to the universe. Don't have to identify, fuse with it. It's very liberating. Okay, so many things mentioned. <laughs> but the idea would be just to bring mindfulness in, to kind of release a little bit, question the views. Huh? Question the views. Shall we try it a little bit? You know, you can do this... Uh, uh, standing up if you want for a few seconds or minutes or at any time during the sitting it's totally okay to stand up if it becomes uncomfortable in some ways um, it's okay to grab a chair sit on a chair
we're practicing being awake, sensitive to what's happening. Allowing the river of sensations to be known. be experienced. The river of sounds and silences. different formations in the heart, the different floats to come by. Sometimes it's the float of boredom, other times it's the float of anxiety, sometimes it's the float of joy, calm. don't have to produce anything to make anything or look for anything to happen if you are expecting desiring something become aware of this that's a state of mind that can be known don't be duped by it wanting something else to happen feels like this. Sometimes the heart is contracted, sometimes it's light, it can be spacious, the mind or the heart. Sometimes it's upset. to it if if it feels right if it's helpful you can make the breath kind of a home base a refuge and experience the world from there from the breath 
letting sounds be known from the rising and falling of the abdomen, letting the mood be known from the attention to the breath. Notice the river-like nature of what you're experiencing. If it's thoughts, they are floating away like a river. If it's a mood, it's alive. It's moving through. It's a sensation also, it's alive, it's tingling, it's pressing, 
it's an impression that it's too long, too short, this or that, notice it's a mirage-like impression, an appearance. It appears like this. easily slips back in its old uh, patterns. And so not recognizing the float, but being on it. We can become aware of what's at play here. What groove the mind got in Practicing being lucid, clearly knowing what's happening in the mind, in the body.
If you find that your mind is uh, got stuck in some stories, some nuts of its own making, entangled in its own creations, become aware of this. It's not a fault. Huh? It's not like it should not happen. It's mostly that we're curious about it. Oh, look at that. The mind created a story and got caught in it. We want to become aware of that process of entrapment. It's not like it shouldn't happen. We can even rejoice. Oh, I have a chance to notice how it works. Notice how we can be identified with the mood or an emotion. Think it's us, it's me. It's happening to me. Abide in well-being, in freedom from ill-will, in freedom from anxiety, in freedom from hostility, in freedom from affliction, and may I maintain well-being in myself. May everyone abide in well-being, in freedom from ill-will, in freedom from anxiety, in freedom from hostility, and may they maintain well-being in themselves. May all beings be released from all suffering, and may they not be parted from the good fortune they have attained.
Ok. Merci. Um, thanks for uh, the studio to uh, for welcoming us, Julie, and the studio. As uh, you come out, you see, as usual, there's uh, two boxes there. One is to support the studio, who has to stay alive, is a living, dynamic thing, dependent. Um, uh, so thank you for uh, considering this. And uh, there's also a box for the teacher who also needs, you know, shelter, medicine, foods, what else, clothing. <laughs> All these things that are not easy to, to get. Thank you for considering this. Uh, so I don't know if you, um, you're aware of this, but um, you know this organization, True North Insight, who uh, promotes these events and organizes uh, retreats. It's a nonprofit that organizes uh, maybe 18 retreats or so a year and uh, offer classes here and there and supports uh, the organization of all this. It's a beautiful organization. It's been there for, I think, 15 years now. So this, um, in, during these two or three weeks that we're in the middle of now, we're actually raising funds for a scholarship um, for marginalized um, uh, groups or for people who are uh, in the margins of uh, sometimes in, of society, uh, either because of their um, minority status or their invisibility of value we give to them or don't give to them. And so we're trying to make it possible uh, for some of them to come on retreat because that might be one of the hindrances to come on retreat is financial, financial uh, resources. And so collectively, we're trying to uh, raise funds for scholarship. Um, um, and um, other things we're doing, so you know, is um, now half of our board is, uh, we're very proud that half of our board is uh, people of color. Uh, because we've noticed that on, on our retreats, uh, there's, uh, there's, there's the absence of a you know, vibrant uh, you know, community of people of color. And we've, been, we've received that uh, feedback. And so uh, the changes we're making is the board now is, uh, has people of color on it. And uh, we're training people of color teachers. And we're offering this year at True North a people of color retreat. And when we announced it, very quickly it became a full, uh, maybe a year in it prior to the date, and it was a full house. So it meant that it means there's a, a need for that. And, uh, you know, for, the, for uh, some of uh, the folks who would like to come and don't have the means, we're raising funds. So if you want uh, to do that, I think through the website of True North Insight, you could go and donate uh, as much as you would like uh, to support this so we can become a very vibrant community uh, that is accessible to everyone. So that's, uh, that's something that is happening now with True North Insight. So thank you. Have a good week. I might see you. When, when do I come back? In two weeks? Sometime. I'll be back. Okay. Seventeen. <laughs> All right. It's a date. <laughs> Thank you. Could you hear well? Yeah, there was a Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.